We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? Let's go, baby. Okay, so Notre Dame's extended its NBC TV contract through 2029. Six-year contract extension. The financial figures not in the release, or it's going to run for six more years anyway, not a six-year extension. But financial figures were not in the release. The school issued before Saturday's game. But according to front office sports, it's for an estimated $50 million a year. So what do you think? You know, I I think we spent a lot of time deliberating about you know what what would potentially happen, what the money might might be, who's courting who, who's you know holding out. I think at the end of the day, we all knew a deal was going to get be done. I think we all knew a, a deal that would be advantageous to both sides. Notre Dame obviously was going to get its money. To me, it felt like more of a kind of a piece in a chess match where Notre Dame kind of got things set up before the next incoming because I mean, remember Schwarbrick is leaving um some of these kind of higher remember he's not related to Kyle Schwarber <laughs> uh, these these higher officials that Notre Dame are leaving and so I felt like this was more kind of um you know like a I don't know like not in like not an accounting move but like a clerical error, like uh just like the next piece to, to kind of keep this thing going essentially like I was never in doubt that it was it wasn't going to get done. Um, I just had a you know when it was going to get done, and again I think it was done strategically, uh, you know before the last right before the last home game, and then setting things up for the future. Stymie says kicking the can down the road. Uh, a lot of people, Andrew, thanks for the super chat. It's weird Notre Dame is not disclosing the dollars in the TV deal. I wonder if the dollars is based on viewership numbers or something about leaving the ACC agreement. I, I I don't think that it has anything, you know, to do with with the ACC agreement. It's, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't disclose them. And I had this conversation with somebody else today. It's literally the only thing that anyone cares about. Like, you can say you're renewing it. You, know, you can say you're renewing for two years, five years, ten years. All anybody cares about is what the numbers are. And, again, Front Office Sports is reporting that it's $50 million. You add on to that, according to tax returns from last year, Notre Dame got about $17 million from the ACC deal. So that takes you to $67 million 
annually right there. And that's going to go up a little bit because they were able to bump that up a little bit with, with the additions of these, you know, some of these new schools. And you also throw in the fact that they still get a little bit more from, you know, from, from their other TV games that don't include, you know, ACC partners and stuff like that. So you're going to be up around $70 million a year, which is very competitive considering it is six home games that you're talking about. Obviously, if the Shamrock Series is is in the mix, then, you know, so, like, you're not talking about a full schedule. And from an NBC standpoint, I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about playing more Big Ten teams in the future and things like that. And, and I think that that's probably, excuse me, going to happen. But, you know, like, as of right now, NBC gets some added value because USC is moving to the Big Ten. So that's both home and away. Notre Dame, NBC is going to have the potential every year to carry the Notre Dame-USC game, whether it's in October for a home game or on the road, you know, when it's out there in Los Angeles. And you also, you know, like Fox is part of that deal as well, but what's going on this weekend? Fox is going to have, the, you know, the, the Big Ten game between Ohio State and Michigan. So, like when they're drafting those games, that gives NBC the chance to have that primetime game, Notre Dame-USC, at night. Wisconsin, Michigan State, Purdue, they're all coming up on the schedule in the near future, you know, like within the length of this contract. So that that is nothing but good for NBC. There's a lot of extra value because they're going to get the opportunity to have both Notre Dame home games and get them on their air when Notre Dame goes on the road to some of these other Big Ten schools. So. The last contract was 10 years. This one is five years, and I do think that it gives both sides kind of the chance to continue to reevaluate the numbers and the ratings at the end of five years and kind of see where they are. So I think this is a, you know, if, if the numbers are accurate, which I don't think there's any reason to believe that they're not accurate, but $50 million dollars is more than double what you were getting before. And, again, when you add it with what they're getting from the, you know, from the other TV contracts that they're a part of, you're right around $70 million a year. So that is very competitive. It's a very good deal. Of course, you already see, you know, people who, <laughs> who are the anti-Notre Dame people coming in and immediately talking about, oh, they need to be in a conference and put them in a conference and they'd be doing this and that. For those people, I've said this before, what problem does that solve for Notre Dame? There's absolute as long as Notre Dame has this TV contract and they continue to have access to the playoffs, which they're going to have more of starting next year with a 12-team field. There's absolutely no reason for Notre Dame to be in a contract as long as they can continue to schedule, you know, outside their ACC agreement. And I think that they're going to be able to. I do, I do find it curious that, you know, like. The Big Ten had no problem talking about how much money they were going to get from their TV contract. I do find it curious that literally the most important thing, really the biggest piece of information that anyone wanted to know in this was not part of the release, the money. Everyone wanted to see the money. It's not there. And from what I understand, we will probably never officially know it we will probably never officially get it from either 
Notre Dame or NBC, you know, in in a release type fashion, you know, fashion. You're going to have to go back a year afterwards and uh, you know look at at tax returns like is being reported, or you know rely on the other media reports that are coming out. And we'll be hearing some of that, I'm sure, as time goes by. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Jesse, what is more significant, Eli Raritan catching his first career touchdown pass or Rico Flores Jr. having the first 100-yard game of the season for a fighting Irish wide receiver? Yeah, I think this one was pretty easy, and it's definitely Rico Flores Jr. having the first 100-yard receiving game of the season for an Irish wide receiver. Um, And correct me if I'm wrong, it's the first one since Kevin Austin. I can't remember what season that was in, so don't hold me to that. But the only reason I, I say that it's more important for Rico Flores is I think wide receiver production has been um, the, you know, the not-so-shining spot on this roster for the last two seasons. And, um, and it feels like no matter who the tight end is, it's just like a plug-and-go. They're always going to be productive. They're always going to catch the ball. Someone's always going to have, you know, at least a touchdown or a couple big plays throughout the game, whether that was Mayer, Evans, Holden Stays, now Eli Raritan, like, there's always a tight end that steps in and, you know, has production. I think going forward, if the offense wants to have, you know, more legitimacy and more firepower, you need more of those 100-yard type games out of your wide receiver. So I have to go with Rico's performance is more impressive. Yeah, I completely – well, it's not what's more impressive. It's more significant. More significant. Yeah, and and I completely agree. It had been 
nearly two full years since the last 100-yard game for a wide fighting Irish wide receiver. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary on New Year's. Remember, uh, Lorenzo Styles was the last 100-yard receiving game. So they had gone nearly two full regular seasons without one. And the fact that it ended up being Rico Flores, one of the freshmen, was one of the ones who were finally able to do it, I think just bodes very well for the future. And you look at what the group of wide receivers did, it was the best overall game for the group of wide receivers from from a reception and yardage standpoint as well. And most of it we're talking about, like Jaden Greathouse was was in that mix as well. And that's that's really what you need going forward is for those guys to be the ones to step up. Like, Eli Raritan was going to get it at some point, and he, yeah. you know, he finally got on the board as well, and you would expect that he was going to get it with Mitchell Evans out. But this is this is kind of what we've been waiting for from this group of wide receivers, and we finally got to see it, and we can, you know, we can finally sort of dismiss that, well, they still haven't had a 100-yard game by a, a Notre Dame receiver. Well, that is off the books now, and I think that we're going to continue to see – more of that from this core group of freshmen next year as they continue to uh, to grow their roles and, and grow into what they're doing. Yeah, I think it's no surprise that you know the wide receiver production uh, and the correlation between what I would say was Sam Hartman's best performance of the season, like those things are going hand in hand, right? And so while it took, it's, it's unfortunate that it took us to see, you know, until game 11 to see this, you would hope that we would have caught, you know, a little bit of this earlier in the season. Um, but, again, it, I guess it's what I'm getting at is it's no coincidence because I thought Sam Hartman played his best game of the season. Okay. Speaking of Sam Hartman, hopefully keep your fingers crossed. This is video. It's not audio like I was trying to play with Marcus Freeman. Here is Sam Hartman after Saturday, his last game at Notre Dame Stadium. The student section, that's not everywhere in the country that everybody's staying. And, and you know, I don't, the marshmallows, I will say a funny story, and this is going to be the last thing I say. Sorry. But it, I'm walking, and I'm not mad about this. It was incredible. I got a hot chocolate on the sideline. Yes, we have hot chocolate on the sideline. Uh, I was done playing. And I'm walking, and some, some girl, and I, they, I, if I saw her right now, I'd know who she is, but I don't know her name, threw a marshmallow from, like, the student section, like, not the close student, like, I mean, it was like a 30-yard shot, landed in my, in, in my hot chocolate, and I'm like, who, like, one of my teammates just did it, and I, I'm like, kind of like, oh, really funny guys, and then I look up, and this girl's going nuts, and she just dunked in there, and then, obviously, ceremoniously, I chugged it, but um, I appreciate you guys. Uh, just want to thank, um, obviously, they're not here, here anymore, but um, obviously, Shorewick and AD and um, Father John, RP, Katie, uh, the media, all the custodians, the, the fans, um, it's been an incredible journey. I know it's not over yet. we got two more left, but um, thank you. This is my message of thanks to everyone who's been a part of this, to you guys, um, to everybody. Thank you. Go Irish. All right. So Sam Hartman, little little marshmallow in the hot chocolate. He thanks everyone except for uh, Fortune from Rudy for the most part there. Um, Jess, but you heard him say two more left. But thank you. So, do you think he's saying that he's definitely going to play in Notre Dame's bowl game? Two more left? I, I think he is, and I, I think that there is nothing for Sam Hartman to lose 
and playing a bowl, a bowl game like that. I think, you know, his draft stock is what it is, and Sam Hartman seems to me to be a guy who just loves college football. And so if he's going to play – if it, He's not going to sit out that last game, so I think sitting out that last game is something that might eat at him for the rest of his life. You know what I mean? Like he's he just feels like a gamer who's someone who loves football um, more than anything, and, and that's what drives him the most. So taking away a game from him is is not is not just I just not, that's not how he's going to go out. And so I'm 100% in belief that he'll be playing in both games. I think so as well. Uh, I think that he's going to you know he's obviously going to play this weekend, and when you hear him say two more left. I, I think he absolutely plans on playing in the bowl game because, as you said, he, I, there is nothing one way or the other. Like, could he get injured? Yes, but he could also get injured this weekend. So if injury was a factor and Notre Dame is not going to be a college football playoff team, they're not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Like, if injury was a factor, he could and should just bow out right now and not even bother playing this weekend at Stanford in what's a completely – meaningless game, you know, from, from a future standpoint, yeah. you know, for someone like that who, who would be thinking about draft stock and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I absolutely agree. I think his draft stock and status is what it is right now. There is nothing to gain or lose based on what he's going to do. And he said that he's got two more left. And I just like said before, I think that he's, I think I, to me, it sounds like he's, got every intention on playing in Notre Dame's bowl game and finishing this uh, this one season out with the Fighting Irish in whatever bowl they happen to play in. Yeah, it really sounds like he, you know, and I know as fans, we probably wanted a little bit more out of him, um, but it sounds like Sam Hartman really appreciated his year at Notre Dame at the end of the day, and I think he enjoyed the opportunity to be able to, you know, come here and, and be a part of this, you know, some of the tradition that Notre Dame has. And like Bryce kind of said in the most recent comment, you know, you, 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 it's hard not to love someone like Sam Hartman. It's unfortunate that he wasn't a Notre Dame lifer, right? Like we only got that small sample size of one year. And I'll go out on a yeah, limb. But, it, I, but, it, but it, go ahead, go ahead, go on your limb first before I. <laughs> I was just gonna say I feel like there's one player who who would sit out in a bowl game, um, and and it would make sense to me. And I think it's Audrey Gustman. I think he's the only guy that you might see sit out in the bowl game. I don't think Joe Alt will sit out. Um, I don't think Sam Hartman will sit out. And I think the only person defensively that makes sense of sitting out is maybe Xavier Watts, Cam Hart, but I think both of those guys will end up playing as well. Yeah. No, I think that that's a, that's a good point. Like, when you look at who's out there, estimate would seem to be it. And he was he was asked afterwards if he's going to be back, and he said that he hasn't made that decision yet. Uh, that, so him wearing the, the pads, the press conference, that was uh, that was all I needed to see. You think that was it? Like he was, was he was getting the full wearing the it. uniform as long as possible for that the last was it. time, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think he's definitely like leaning that. towards one side, but I think that him wearing the pads still, um, I think it was him knowing that probably he's leaning one way to the other. And I, like, like, I don't think he's committed 100%. But I think I, he knows which way he's leaning. And, again, that was enough for me because once you take those pads off, that's the thing. It's like the last time you're going to take yeah. them off at Notre Dame. DK makes a good point. Like, I, I, I don't know. Estimate won't come out of games, and they're leaving him out there, obviously, so that he can cross a statistical threshold. You know, it got him up over 1,100 yards. There have been times where they've kept him in late in games longer than they probably 
really needed to so that he could go out there and, and get some extra yards and that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's, it's really just personal choice, whatever he decides to do. And, you know, one, he's got to declare for the draft first. Two, he's, you know, it, then at that point he's got a decision to make. Brendan says Cam Hart should definitely sit. I mean, that makes the most sense to me, as he says, with his injury history. That would make the most sense to me. Absolutely. There was a question earlier from Carberry Pugh. Anything to it about the seniors that didn't participate in senior day may be coming back. So I asked specifically about Xavier Watts today and, you know, said, hey, is there anything that we can read into that? And Marcus Freeman said, well, he's a junior. So, you know, there's no reason for him to go out there and be honored. Well, from an eligibility standpoint, he's a junior, but this is his fourth year here, so he's a senior, you know. So, yeah, he still has eligibility, you know, remaining, and, you know, the way Freeman tried to frame it was, you know, it's it's an NFL decision, but, you know, he said he's he's a junior. Again, he's, he's technically a senior. Academically, he's a senior, and that's what Notre Dame has always fallen back on, is what you are academically, not what you are from an athletic eligibility standpoint. So I guess it's still wait and see. We'll find out about that. So um, somebody says he's graduating. Are we still talking about Xavier Watts or, you know, I'm not sure exactly who we're talking about. So, but, you know, I think maybe here after this week, we probably will start to see on social media some guys make those announcements. It'll be a, probably a matter of when, not if. Within the within the first week, we'll we'll start to find out exactly who's declaring, who's coming back, who's not, all that different stuff. Uh, yeah. So Joe says Watts is graduate. I mean, I would assume he's. You know, we don't we don't you know get their academic reports. I mean. Notre Dame has these guys on track to get their degrees in three years, so he might actually have his degree at this point. I would assume he's going to be graduating, you know, because like if if you're if you don't keep that track, that's when you start, you know, you you fall behind and you get suspended, or you know maybe you uh, get ushered to another school. So I would think that if he doesn't already have his degree, he is he is at least on track to get that. Should be fill in the blank. It's blank, you know, kind of on the other end of the spectrum. From Sam Hartman, and I, by the way, I didn't, we, you know, didn't touch, you know, more on the other Sam Hartman stuff. But Sam Hartman is absolutely like the poster child of the guy you would like to have as the front man, playing quarterback for for your program, high profile. You know, like you said, you know, I think you said he would have liked to have been a Notre Dame lifer. Could you imagine though? with the recruiting ranking that he had coming out of high school, <laughs> if Notre Dame had signed him out of high school, yeah, right. what people would be thinking, and the odds that he would probably still be here at this point would be a little slim. He's just, you know, kind of the outside, worked his way back and, uh, you know, worked back in. But, you know, again, Sam Hartman has touched just all different facets, both in and outside of the program, you know, with the things that he does off the field, going to hospitals, visiting kids, you know, sick kids, all different kinds of stuff along with his head coach, Sam Hartman, that's just the kind of guy that you want as the front man of your program. You wish that there were more of those guys around. 
So fill in the blank. It's blank that Caleb Williams opted not to speak to the media after Saturday's loss to UCLA in what was likely his last home game at USC. I like what you do with this question, Stack. Uh, it's incredibly lame that Caleb Williams opted – or sorry, it, it was, I'm not even going to say lame. It's incredibly childish that Caleb Williams opted not to speak to the media uh, after U, UCLA after the UCLA, UCLA loss and ultimately – You know, USC's, you don't have to repeat the question back to me, right? <laughs> ultimately, USC's last home game of the season. Um, but it's not surprising because we saw Leak and Riley do this last year. Um, and when your head coach sets a, ba- sets a bad example, you as a player think that you can, you know, do the same thing. I'm, I'm high-profile Caleb Williams. I lost another game. I'm not going to go out there and talk to the media. You know, I've said it before. No matter win, loss, I- I've even advocated that umpires and referees need to be spoken to after games. You're just accountable. You know, well, they people- need to be spoken to. <laughs> yeah, you didn't need to be accountable, right? Like, it, just as much as you want to be interviewed after a big win, you have to have that same mentality after a big loss. And I know it's not always that easy, but, again, the, the people's job in the media, reporters, is to get an account for what happened in the game that you necessarily don't get to see. Only the player playing gets to see. And so you want that inside perspective. You want to see, you know, what's going on inside that player's mind, why he made this decision, why he didn't make this decision. And so it's really not fair of Caleb Williams to not come out there and paint that picture you know, for the reporters and, and journalists and everyone out there trying to just, you know, have a good grasp of, of what they're going to talk about and how to spin kind of this game. So, again, it's it's just incredibly childish. And it, But the example was set by his head coach, so we, we really shouldn't be surprised. No, and that's where it starts. It starts with the head coach, and we've talked about this before, some of the stuff that Lincoln Riley has done out there trying to ban different media members, you know, and, and taking away their credentials and doing all this stuff. Look, you can only control your narrative – so far. And in college, it is fair. You don't have to come out and talk to the media. But you would think that the head coach would have a chat with Caleb Williams at some point and say, you know, you should probably just do this once. And like, look at Sam Hartman a couple of weeks ago after the Clemson game. Didn't have a great game. Threw a pick six, threw a couple interceptions. What did he do? He came out and he talked with the media and he faced the music. You know, he manned up and he came out, came out, and he owned up to it. And that's, you know, again, like that's the kind of thing that you appreciate from a person like Sam Hartman is that he will come out and he will own it. He's willing to take it upon himself, and he's standing up there and answering the questions, even though he didn't have to at any point. He could have said, no, I don't want to, and not come out just like Caleb Williams did. And it's like you're in the second biggest media market in the country playing for really probably the, 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 the third most high-profile uh, team program in the city after the Lakers and the L.A. Dodgers. USC football is really you know third behind those two organizations You've got to come out and you've got to face it. You won the Heisman Trophy last year. You are in Wendy's commercials right now. Yeah. You've got got no problem taking all that NIL money that's coming your way and taking those paychecks, but you're not going to come out and answer a couple of questions with the media after you've had a couple of bad games. It's a terribly bad look. And by the way, when you get to the NFL, if you're a rookie starting, you know, he's going to be a rookie starting in the NFL. But you're going to be in the NFL at some point. And guess what? The NFL requires players to go stand out there and answer questions. You don't have the choice 
of running away from the cameras and the microphone once you get to the NFL. You're going to have to do it. And now would be a good time to start learning that lesson, I would think. Well, it's just, it's just really unfortunate because all biased aside, you know, I obviously don't like USD, but I still respect Caleb Williams and the quarterback that he is. It's got to be unattractive to NFL executives of when you're looking for a guy, when, you, when you're looking for a player who's going to be the face of your franchise, who, who you are rolling the dice on with your, you know, your pick because you've been so bad, right? And so now not only are the fans relying on you to get this pick right, and not only are, you know, is the organization because your job is to come in and be the band-aid and to turn things around of being, you know, this quote-unquote generational quarterback. Well, I got news for you, Caleb Williams. If you've had bad games in college, you're going to have bad games in the NFL. The, the, the talent gap shrinks. It's a lot harder to be successful in the NFL. You're probably going to be less successful than you were in college. So things are only going to get harder. You're going to throw more picks. You're going to have more bad days. And if you can't face it in the college level, what makes it, you know, what, how does that prove to these NFL executives that you can do it, you know, at the NFL level when not only are you supposed to be playing good games, but you're supposed to be the face of the franchise. You're supposed to be the guy that, again, you know, is the Band-Aid and brings this, these organizations out of this pit, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Carberry says William's not mature enough for the NFL. And, I mean, he's pretty much showing that every day right now that he's not mature enough. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Uh, I'd get run out of here by T-Guns, Tommy, if, uh, if I didn't say. He he wants to know if you'd like to attend an elite high school football semifinal game this Friday. In I will be um, back in Indiana. It is Thanksgiving, you know. Um, have some days off from work. Enjoy the family time. And there's, uh, you know, I might, I might be in Muncie, Indiana that day where the real action is at. I was going to say, I think he's coming to Muncie. With me, not too far from Columbus, though. Really, right? no, considerably no. All things considered, yeah. Fill in the blankets. Blank that Notre Dame announced Muppet McGraw's statue will be unveiled before the Irish women host Purdue on December seventeenth. They're going to unveil the statue outside Purcell Pavilion. It's about damn time Muppet McGraw got her statue because you know I I know. The greatness of Muffin McGraw. I was around the Notre Dame women's basketball program a good amount growing up. But then when you start pulling up the stats, it's like even crazier. I mean, she had 848 career wins, seven, you know, 77 win, winning percentage, and 81 per, winning percentage percent, or 81 winning percentage. Uh, in, conference, in conference play, you got two national championships. You have four-time AP Coach of the Year, three-time Naismith Coach of the Year. She's already in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, you could argue. And the Naismith Hall of Fame. The Naismith Hall of Fame. In the Naismith Hall of Fame. The big one. You can argue that she is probably, not even probably, of our lifetimes, one of the most successful 
you know, college coaches out there, you know, slash Notre Dame in general, one of the greatest, you know, coaches in Notre Dame history. And so, again, it's about damn time that this this uh, this statue is being unveiled. What else did Notre need to do? <laughs> Pretty much nothing. They uh, Jack Swarbrick announced, I believe it's going on two years ago now, when they, uh, they had the big ceremony for Muffet, that there was a statue that was coming. And here it is, we're two years later, and it's coming. And it's fitting because Notre Dame and Purdue haven't played for several years. Is that who they beat in the national championship? That's who they beat in the 2001 national championship game. So they're going to do it before they play Purdue <laughs> on December that's, that's 17th. That's poetic justice. That was their and first like, one. There aren't too many people you know, in the actual Purdue women's program who were around back then, you know, there are probably some people in the athletic department, but trust me, like when we used to still play Purdue, when they would play Purdue every year and we'd go down there especially, like you sat in the stands at some of those Notre Dame-Purdue games, I think, down there. Like those Purdue people are still bitter, (laughs) very bitter about that national championship game because they don't think Ruth Riley – was fouled on the two free throws at the end of the game that ended up winning the national championship for the Fighting Irish. But as for Muffet, like, you ran through the resume. There's not much more I could say. Very well-deserved. Finally, get, you're talking about a Naismith Hall of Famer and a two-time national champion. You can count, I think on one hand, maybe one and a half, the number of women's basketball coaches who have won multiple national championships, and she's one of them. And – like, you've got all these football statues up around campus. Purcell Pavilion's been right. there for a long time now. It's 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 time that the coach who uh, brought home the hardware twice is going to have her statue. I'm curious to see what the statue is going to look like. Like, Which is one it gonna is it going to be Muppet down, you know, in the trademark crouch? that she had with the high heels with the heel. and the skirt, you know, like, is that what it's going to be? You know, I say it needs to be her crouching down and you need a, uh, a, a you know, a player with double zero and the sweatband standing on one side of her. That would be Ruth Riley. And you need, you know, the player with the jump shot in the other. That would be Arike Agumbawale on the other to represent the two national championships. That is my image of the Muffet McGraw. What do you think? Let me ask you this, though. Do you think it needed Muffet pre-approval? Like, do you think that they came to her with separate kind of, like, concepts or were like, eh, they might have. you feeling here, you know? Or do you think it's a complete surprise? That's a good question. I think a good thing about Muffet, too, is, like, when you start looking into, like, I don't know, I just felt that Muffet was really like that, that homegrown kind of, you know, she built the program herself and took Notre Dame to, to you know, new heights, and assist, essentially. And along the way, I felt like at least, you know, she was always so nice. That was, like, very approachable, very easy to talk to. Like, I remember talking to Muffet growing up and stuff, and it was like, you know, who has time for, like, a five- or six-year-old potentially running around? <laughs> but she was always so nice. Yeah, that, was, that was the cool thing is, is she's just a really nice – um, person with a lot of humility to her. Yeah, and that's one thing about that program, I think, and, like, that legacy still continues in the program right now. Of course, you've got Neil, who played for her and coached under her and everything else, and I think you still see a lot of that. So, 
it's uh, it's great. So we can we can all go out there and freeze on December seventeenth and see that that uh, statue. I guess that makes it for the fact that you can't go to Buffalo and and Cowboys that day. But you know, oh, right. is that is that that is the same day? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I can't I find anyone to go with me, so I think I'm not going as well. <laughs> how about uh, how about the other big news from the weekend? Jimmy Johnson going into the Cowboys' ring of honor. Yeah, and um, so did you see why they picked the time and place to do it? Because apparently it was like the last – this is at least what I've read. Is It was the last guaranteed Cowboys broadcast on Fox for the remainder of the season. They know Jimmy Johnson works for Fox. Uh, and so they basically wanted to let Jimmy get his moment kind of on Fox with, you know, basically it being announced and televised kind of everywhere. Because it felt weird. Like, why are we doing this at a Panthers game on the road, 1 o'clock on, you know, November the 19th? And it was really funny because before I found out, I saw Jimmy Johnson sitting next to Jerry Jones in the box. And I was like, what is going on right now? Why are they, like, these two don't sit next to each other? You know, I was like, well, it was a very awkward over. Like, what is they going had them on? both on TV and it was a very awkward, you know, kind of thing that they were doing. And I, and I also don't always, one, I don't like, especially once basketball starts, I don't get to watch any of the Fox pregame. And even, you know, even before basketball, I don't always watch the, the, the pregame shows, but I actually had it on when they had Jerry and Jimmy on live. So. It was pretty cool, and I realized, you know, Notre Dame connection, a lot of people hate Jimmy Johnson. That's fine. You know, Dallas Cowboys people hate Jimmy Johnson as well. You've got double the reason to hate him. But uh, the guy could coach, and the guy knew players, you know. And so I think it's I think it's great that he's finally getting his due. Great, great football mind, regardless of what you think of him. All right, well, that is going to do it for tonight. We will wrap it up. A lot of good stuff tonight, starting with the Cree Thomas commitment, the cornerback from Notre Dame. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy's not taking no for an answer. He might just drive over to Muncie and, um, you know, abduct you. Now, Andrew, Andrew, I'm not saying Dallas people hate him. I'm saying people who hate Dallas hate him, hate the Cowboys, hate him. So. I was going to say, you don't want to open this can of words. You could go on a, a, a good discussion about your thoughts about Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones <laughs> and the mistake that was made. Yes, exactly. All right, well, hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate you being here tonight. And we will be back. Yes, DK, there will be a Wednesday show. We will have a Wednesday show. I don't think there is going to be one tomorrow because I've got the, the, the Notre Dame women's basketball game, and I think that there are there, – there's a Vince conflict. Let's put it that way, because <laughs> there's always a freaking Vince conflict, okay? So I'm here. He's here tonight. That's right. And Jesse is driving back from Cleveland to South Bend tomorrow, so uh, we'll be in half day. Huh? So we'll just take a staff off day tomorrow. Yeah, we'll both be in the same house, different rooms Wednesday when we do the show. How about that? <laughs> All right. We will talk to you then. Hit the like button, subscribe, rate, review. Ivy Nation for stuff. Thank you.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful, time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during your Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.